Thank you for listening to the Collective Church Podcast. Collective is a church for the rest of us, which means if you've never been to church, walked away from the church, or are struggling to find a church to connect with, you belong here. Every Thursday over the next year, we are sharing a new episode in our Your Story Matters podcast series. This is an opportunity for people from Collective to be real about their brokenness and what God has done and is doing in their lives. These stories will be real and raw and vulnerable, and we hope they encourage and inspire you in your own faith to share your story. To watch the sermons from the Your Story Matters series or to find out more, you can head to www.mycollective.church. Today, we're starting with the extended cut of Dimity Bartlett's story, a story we shared in week two of our sermon series. We hope you enjoy it. Thank you uh, for being here for uh, the next video in our Your Story Matters series. Um, this is really fun and unique for me because you are my mom. Um, so this is Dimity Bartlett and, you know, asked her to be in this series. Um, obviously very uncomfortable <laughs> to be in front of people, but it was something that I felt was really important uh, to, to people knowing who I am is kind of hearing uh, where I came from. And so thank you for being willing to share your story, um, for being vulnerable. Uh, we know that vulnerability is scary and uh, kind of leaves us open in front of people, uh, but it, we know it's a good thing when we are able to share our stories because uh, we've, we realize we're not alone and, and people realize they're not alone as well. And so we're going to start with the same question we start everybody off with, which is, tell us about your childhood. Where did you grow up? What was your family like? Uh, what was it like to be a kid? I grew up in Fairfax City. Um, we lived there forever. My parents managed uh, apartment buildings. Yeah, that's how I grew up. I didn't go to church. Uh, well, we, my parents dropped us off on Sundays, I guess. It was to give them a break. I don't know. Um, Methodist. But my parents fought a lot. Um, my parents were alcoholics, like liquor alcoholics. Like, you always needed a drink, a, a mixed drink. So like when they came home from work, they had mixed drinks. You know, they had Irish coffees after dinner. Sundays were um, Bloody Marys. You know, it was always alcohol. It reminds me of like Bewitched, you know, that kind of generation where um, there was always liquor. There was decanters of liquor all the time. It's no wonder I started drinking at 13. But they were, my mom was very mean. She was physically, emotionally mean. She was a mean woman. Um, my dad was easygoing. He um, was fun, but they fought a lot. And I saw a lot of drinking and like restaurants and driving us home and things like that that I didn't even know was a bad thing until I grew up. Yeah, how did that impact you know, during that childhood, because you have an older sister, so Aunt Kim is how much older than you? She's six years older than okay. me. Okay, and then Aunt Bethany is? Four years younger than me. So you've got this, like, big spread mm -hmm. of kids. You're in the middle. So, like, growing up in that dynamic, mm -hmm. you know, with your parents, what was that like, being the middle well, child especially? I was a black sheep because I was rebellious from day one. So Kim probably got the worst of it because the first child is always the experiment so she probably got a lot more than I did as far as the hitting and beating and being brutal to verbally. Bethany being the baby she was the favorite you know and so she didn't get that stuff until she was older and my mom and dad had separated and divorced and then she became like my mom's buddy in a way, but then again, she she was emotionally really, I don't wanna use abuse, but like messed with, her head was messed with a lot. How old were you when your parents got divorced? 13. 13? Yeah. And again, like multiple siblings, did you guys all stay with your mom well, or your dad? Kim got married at 18, and okay. I think that's why she got married. I mean, I know she loved her husband and stuff, yeah. but I think it was to get out of the house. Sure. Then um, my mom worked out of the home. We, we were trained at a very young age to cook and clean, so we just had to make sure everything was clean and dinner was going and all that stuff by the time she got home. I kind of took care of Bethany, but not as much at that time. Um, she, because I was 
getting in trouble a lot. Um, she was like supposed to be my shadow and she's supposed to keep me out of trouble, sure. but I just drug her into the trouble. Sure. So, um, yeah, she was still kind of, you know, the youngest, the baby. Yeah. And you were a teenager. I was a teenager. Yeah. So growing up in kind of a volatile family, lots of alcohol, lots of anger. Um, one of the things that you've shared with me is when it comes to the way they kind of approached you guys, though, was on the outside, everything has to be and look perfect. Oh, yeah. And so part of that was your church experience growing up. And so how did that interact with your faith and, you know, church from the time you were a little kid to the time you were a teenager? Well, we never prayed at home. We never did anything. We were, and you know, honestly, we didn't go to church on Christmas or Easter, but we dressed up because I guess that was that generation. You know, we always had Easter dresses, but we never went to church. Yeah. So, I mean, we never, there was no talk of God in my house ever, but we were put there and supposed to learn something from it, I guess. But I didn't really, I just went to go. Yeah. So it your parents really... would just drop you off yes. at church and then leave? Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I, I really believe that they, because Methodist church at that time was a big building and the minister wore a robe, you know, and everyone was dressed up and um, all that old lady perfume and stuff. And it was very uncomfortable, you know, um, I think maybe when my mom got sick, we started going a little bit more, but it was just weird. Yeah. So for you, like, was there anything from the church experience that you enjoyed or was it just something that it was like, hey, yeah. we're going to leave you, you're a rebellious kid, maybe you'll learn something yeah. kind well, of deal? This was before I was even rebellious. Okay. This was when I was little and innocent and didn't know any better. You know, I think I was probably maybe seven or eight, Yeah. you know, and it did nothing for me because I went home and nothing was different. Sure. I do think it's important to note for everybody who's listening to this podcast eventually that you may not just drop your kids off at Collective yes. and leave. That's not a thing. That is not a thing. That's a very different era. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, for you, it wasn't, it was a part of your life, but it wasn't really a part right. of no. your life. It wasn't on a regular basis. Yeah. No. Um, so your parents get divorced, you know, Kim on Kim gets married. And then obviously the next kind of big devastating thing in your life happened when your mom got sick. Um, do you mind just sharing with us about what that was like? Well, actually to this day, I really don't know what her exact diagnosis was. All I knew was that she had a hysterectomy and she had to sit on a donut. That's all I knew at that time. It was odd because no one talked to us about it. No one said, this is what's going on, this is what's gonna happen, blah, blah, blah. I just noticed she was different and she was weaker. There wasn't like chemo back then and stuff. And then we moved. We actually moved out of the apartments because my parents separated. My dad, honestly, I thought he was gonna come back for me because I thought he was my, I was his favorite. But he never did. He, he saw us, there was no, visit, you know, we go every other weekend to dad. I had to beg to go to dad's house. I think I only stayed at his house one time. My mom bought a townhouse in Burke. And um, this was the first home she'd ever purchased. And she was doing well. I mean, she was working and everything seemed fine. Um, and then she got sick and they took a kidney. They found out she had it in her bone marrow in her leg. And then she got a tumor on her head that you could actually see. And um, we lived in Virginia, and the closest relative was Kansas yeah. and Idaho. Yeah. I didn't know my grandparents. I didn't know my aunts and uncles. I knew no cousins. We had no family at all. And then all of a sudden, and she had 10 other brothers and right. sisters. So then my, like my grandmother came to take care of us because my mom was put in the hospital when they removed her kidney. Like, this is the first time you met your grand... Had you met her before? This is, like, the first well, time. Well, I did when I was, like, five. Sure. But she came into a house with a rebellious teenager. Sure. And she did not care for us very yeah. much. So she came, and my... A couple of my aunts came, and then hospice came, and I don't know. It was hard, because yeah. I didn't really know what was going on, because no one really shared with us yeah. what was going on. 
So how old were you when your mom passed away? 16. 16. She died in the house, in her room. But after that, um, I was the adult. I cooked, I cleaned, I went grocery shopping. I took care of my sister, took her to dance, did all those things. Not well. There was a lot of alcohol, a lot of drugs, a lot of everything. Even Bethany at that time, she was, she was, a, she was a baby. She was like 12 years old. And there was a lot going on in that house. Yeah. But I took good care of the house. Yeah. That doesn't surprise me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. People who know my personality also know, like, I love clean and organized things. So I probably yes. inherited that from you. Yeah. I became the head of the house. It was like I owned the townhouse. My dad came to see us twice a week to bring us groceries and to make sure we were okay. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I was, I was doing everything. Also had a boyfriend. Richard. Richard, yeah. Um, I got pregnant. You know, the only thing you had was Dr. Spock's book, which was about this big, you know, and that told you some stuff. There was nothing else. Um, I was still a minor, so my dad was military, so I went to Bethesda and had all my doctor's appointments, and, you know, that's where I delivered Christopher. Richard moved in, and, uh, yeah, I just kind of playing house, I guess, cooking dinner and taking care of things, and... I dropped out of school. I got my GED, but that was just because I did it for my dad later on. Um, how old was Christopher when Richard left? Six months. He didn't want to marry me. You know, not that I was even thinking about getting married, but he did not want to be a dad. Yeah. So he was taking my car and going and partying with friends, taking the car seat and throwing it in the trunk and driving girls around and doing things. And he was, you know, while I was home, taking care of a baby. Yeah, as a teenager. As a teenager, yeah. Um, One of the things when we talked about kind of sharing your story, and I asked you, what led to you, you know, finding this guy and, and, you know, having a kid with him? And you talked about the fact that you felt like something was missing from your life. It started in your childhood, and you were feeling that as you got older. I just wanted to be loved, unconditionally. I was never good enough for my mom. Never good enough anywhere. I was an average student. We used to, she put us in everything, like dance and baton and modeling, and I was just never good enough. I just wanted someone to love me forever. And that baby loved me forever and wouldn't leave me. So I was very excited about it. I wanted him so badly. I needed him so badly because it filled me up. You know, it gave me that love that I desperately wanted yeah and so you know Christopher's six months old Richard pieces out yeah single mom teenager fast forward about a year about a year and a half and you meet dad well that was my first real job and he was working at the same place we started just kind of hanging out and partying after work and we became really good friends we were friends first then he asked me out and we started going out. He actually uh, liked that I was a mom. I don't know why, but he, I guess he looked at it as a good quality. I don't know, I don't know. But then he started, you know, we started hanging out and before we knew it, we, I got my first apartment subsidized, you know, because I was poor and single parent. And um, then I got pregnant again. Mm-hmm. And we were going to get married, and then we weren't. And then we did, yeah. just all of a sudden. We fought a lot. Even even before. Oh, even before. Yeah. There were so many red flags. Sure. But I didn't. I just wanted to be loved. I just wanted a family. Because my family was so dysfunctional, and I never felt that family love and bond that um, I just wanted to make my own family. Yeah. So then you have me, obviously Mm -hmm. the best of all the children. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, A few years later, Jennifer's born. You know, you have three kids. You and dad are married at this point. What was 
you know, at least the beginning part of that, like in the house, what was the marriage like? Also, what was faith and God? Like, was that even a part of, of this yeah. or even your mind? The God was nowhere. I mean, I, you know, I didn't pray. I didn't have faith. I didn't think that there was anything better than this. Every year moved, usually got evicted. You say we were homeless. I don't say we were homeless. We lived with your grandparents for a while. <laughs> so that was, you know, we had everything yeah. put in storage. Uh, Scott was not very good at holding down a job. And I had three children. So monetary, it didn't make sense for me to get a job and pay for daycare. Right. Besides the fact that I really didn't want anybody else caring for my children but me. I didn't think anybody could love them as much as me. So that wasn't even on the table. I did get a job, a part-time job at night at Burlington yeah. um, during Christmas to get us some extra money. But uh, the money was, you know, making money was all on him. Yeah. And he didn't do it very well. Yeah. And, you know, even early on in the marriage, there were struggles in the marriage. There were struggles with addiction. It wasn't smooth. Oh, I went from being raised by alcoholics to marrying an alcoholic. Yeah. But it was beer. How bad can that be? Sure. You know, and it got really bad. Yeah. Um, I had to always be on point, on alert, uh, especially in the evening. If the kids got sick or anything, we had to go to an emergency room or anything. I had to make sure I was sober, so I did not drink because someone had to be able to take care of things. Yeah. Yeah, and I know I, you know, memories from my childhood. There's a lot of fighting, mm. a lot of yelling. Oh, yeah. You know, I joke at Collective that I grew up in a confrontational household, which is true. It was very confrontational, but it wasn't healthy confrontation. No, no, I was, yeah, I was not shy about yelling or letting him know how I felt. All the kids were around. Yeah, and what's crazy is you guys. That was kind of the state of of marriage for you guys for a long time. Um, there were good moments, but I think through the whole thing, it was it was hard. It was so hard. Yeah. Every holiday was hard. Every, yeah, Fourth of July is his favorite holiday, so there was a lot of drinking. It was just all very hard, and I had to make sure that my kids were safe. He wasn't ever mean. I mean, he wasn't physically abusive with me. If anything, I was more physical with him. Sure. Because... I didn't care, you know, I was spunky, you know, I, I, I told him how I felt and I let him know, but I just had to make sure you guys were okay. During that time, had you guys like talked about divorce? Like were there, cause I don't remember as a kid thinking my parents were going to get divorced. Um, but also I remember as a kid thinking this doesn't seem right. Um, why'd you guys, at least during that time, what made you guys stay together? Uh, probably because we had nothing else, <laughs> sure. you know? I mean, I just wanted to keep my family together. So I never even thought about divorce because, first of all, I couldn't financially take care of my children by myself. I didn't think I could. So it was just, that was the way life was, you know? And we just kind of make the best of it. Yeah, and you guys kind of existed in this, really this stormy place for a very long time. Mm -hmm. It was just, that's how existence was I you know I know we felt it but obviously you guys felt it a lot more eventually Alyssa's born um, eight years after Jennifer yes. Yes. and you know for people who know our story they know I share I kind of pick up at this part mm -hmm. where we had some neighbors move in across the street who were kind um, who treated us really well which was weird and it's not to say that our, you know you guys didn't or people in our life didn't but we didn't have like quality right, right. people right we had backyard barbecue kind of people yeah. baseball game kind of people yeah. bring a case of beer yeah. or get a keg while we're moving kind of people yeah that was our, we were we were partying family you know yeah. it was the 80s yeah. <laughs> so you know they were just very kind yeah they were and so eventually the murrays invite us to church I've told my perspective on that story, but what was that like for you to be invited 
and then eventually say yes. It was very uncomfortable because Sundays were our only day to sleep in. Yeah. We were a baseball family. Yeah. All our kids did sports. Sunday was the only day that we could sleep in. Why would we go to church? Okay. We had to get up early. I have no nice clothes. Yeah. I can't go to church, the church that I knew what church was. Yeah. So they kept asking. And I am a little bit of a people pleaser. So I was like, okay, so it was friend day. Oh, yeah. It was friend day. And I was like, okay, I'll go. That morning I got up. The only one that would actually go with me was Christopher. I didn't know that. Yes. He was the only one that got up and went with me. Now, Jennifer had been going with yeah. Paige, which yeah. was her, their daughter. Yeah. So she's been spending a lot of time over there. But we just thought they were, they were from California. Mm-hmm. Their kids were naked in the front yard, yeah. you know? Yeah. So they never wore shoes, yeah. you know? I mean, they were just different kind of yeah. people, but they were just so kind. Yeah, and so they had this piece about them that I did not understand yeah. because we got became friends with them. And so I knew that life was hard for them, but they had this joy that yeah. I wanted. Yeah, I'd never felt and I thought, why not? You know, and maybe they'll just stop bugging me. Yeah. That was part of it. Yeah. So we went to a school. Yeah. And we had joked around about drinking the Kool-Aid, you know, because sure. they were different. <laughs> yeah. They were so different. And inviting us to church, what we thought in our mind, because Scott was Catholic. Yeah. He was raised Catholic. So he was like, no, I'm not doing that. Um, so we didn't understand And so when I walked into a middle school, I was like, this is weird. So I went and sat down, and there was this guy, this band on stage, a band with drums, guitars, all that stuff. And there's this long, blonde-haired dude playing the guitar and singing. And I was like, what is this? But when they started singing and playing, I bawled my eyes out and I did not understand why yeah I could understand the music and for the first time in my entire life I felt this love this peace this weird feeling I have never felt ever and I couldn't stop crying I don't even know what the message was about (laughs) at all but I knew that I needed this. I knew this was good. So when it was over, I made a, made a beeline for Sarah, who was the mom, and she was in the nursery or the preschool room, and I looked at her, and I just started bawling again, and she started crying. I couldn't even explain it. I had no words. I had no words. So I went home, and I still was kind of confused this was something strange but they were having a um fall festival like i don't know the next weekend or something and they had free food and a band and that's how i knew i could get dad there music because of the music i'm like you've got to see this band it's great you know so um we all went and it was amazing there was normal people there no one was dressed up they all looked like me yep it was the craziest thing ever. Yeah. And so obviously the next day we go back, right? We show up to church as a family for the first time and not knowing, you know, and, and you mentioned earlier, like there's there's storms in your marriage. It's not good. But it wasn't even to the point where you guys like, maybe God will fix this. No. It was just, I'm going to show up at this thing. Mm-hmm. What is happening? Right. And so we show up the next day, our whole family and you know the way i tell the story is like we just started going every sunday we we went from zero church experience not even christmas and easter to hey i guess we're going to church now yeah and you know over the next year or two we all got baptized different Mm -hmm. different (laughs) different phases of that story right um christopher and jennifer i think were first um Mm -hmm. i think i was after that and maybe you guys actually i think you may have been first I definitely wasn't first. You weren't first? No, because I remember Dan sitting in our kitchen reading the Bible Uh with Christopher and Jennifer, and he goes, do you want to do this? I'm like, no. (laughs) No, because I I was at the point, too, where 
I, it still was, it was like, what is this? What is this? Yeah. You know, I'm not an emotional person. Mm. And so for me, it was like, mm, like there's still, there's still something to, to seek out right. here. But so we all put our faith in Jesus. We all get baptized. It's, Start serving. Yeah. Because we are servers. We, yeah. that's just our nature. Yeah. We are, we're, you, from the beginning, before even church, we always help people. We always, you yeah. know, we are blue collar. Yep. So we started serving. Yep. Set up and tear down. Oh, so, yeah. Yep. We did the manual labor because that's what we knew how to yep. do. It clearly shaped collective. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. It. That's true. Um, you know, for people who are who will eventually see this and listen that don't know, we did start in a middle school. Yes. And there were people who walked in thinking, how is this church? Mm-hmm. But then walked out feeling something. And... So for the next few years, um, you know, we get involved in Jesus. We get involved mm-hmm. in church. Faith grows. And typically this is the part of the story where people expect it to be perfect, right? Because, hey, it wasn't perfect before Jesus. We get Jesus. Yeah, this is going to save hey, us. this is it. Yeah. Um, but the reality is that's not mm-hmm. how life works. No. And the reality is that's not how faith works. Um, and so... We're going to church for a few years, uh, and things start to fall apart. Yeah. Can you walk us through? Yeah. Well, we even went to group. We went to group together. We went to couples groups. Um, We were fighting before church because he's a sleeper, and he's always late. So we started going separately because I didn't want to miss it. I, I needed to go. It filled me up. And then we got baptized. Um, which I was hoping that maybe I would never cuss again and I would never have any bad thoughts again and I would just be this pure little angel and be able to just, ah, you know, and that didn't happen. Everything fell apart. And I know it was God because he gave everything to light. Everything came to light. Everything that was in the darkness that that I wasn't seeing um, all came to light and everything just exploded. Yeah. And so um, what was the first kind of sign of that? Um, he wasn't coming home at night. Um, he was angry. He was so angry and he had this, his eyes were black. I couldn't, I couldn't reach him anymore. There was no hope there, it seemed, because he started doing whatever he wanted to do. Yeah. And I didn't know what to do. So I just kept going taking care of my kids, going to church, going to group. And I felt badly because all the people in my group heard all my garbage every time, you know, and I'd go crying and, you know, they'd pray for me and I'd learn more stuff. And then it was really hard. It was really hard. Yeah, I mean, it was like a two-year plus thing. One of the things that we talked about was you know, and anytime a story is shared between two people, it's it's hard. And one of the things I remember is coming home in high school and you being in the kitchen by yourself just crying. I cried a lot. I lost like 30 pounds in three months. And I was already a small person. And um, I tried to do most of my crying in the shower so my kids wouldn't hear me or at night because it just consumed me. Everything that was going on, what he was doing, what was going on, you know, I just needed to know. And it consumed me and he wouldn't tell me anything. He would always always plead the fifth. Um, So someone told me, just call on Jesus every time you get in that headspace where you just can't stop thinking about it. So that's what I did. I was like, Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I can't do this by myself. I can't, I can't, I, I, this is beyond what I can do and I don't understand and I don't know what to do. Yeah. So very, very slowly I began to heal. At some point in your faith you get to this place where again, and it's not that you felt that Jesus was going to be the quick fix for mm-hmm. all those things, right? You right. knew that there were issues in the marriage. You knew there was addiction. You knew there was infidelity. Most people at this point, specifically people who are pretty new to God and faith and church, they give up, right? They, they don't want to ride the wave of the highs and lows of life and the highs and lows of faith. And so, you know, a few years into this, dad's gone. It's just you uh, and me and Jennifer and Alyssa. 
it would have been really easy at this point to give up because ultimately you're back where you were mm -hmm. pre-Jesus. You are a single mom, mm -hmm. raising kids, you know, just mm -hmm. trying to, to find something better. Right. So why, you know, why didn't you give up? Why, as a divorce happens mm -hmm. in the middle of this church experience, mm -hmm. not the church's fault. In fact, right, right. they, they did such a wonderful job caring yes, for our family. Those did. people, most of those people are still in our lives mm -hmm. and most of them actually are still in my life as we've kind of journeyed into this loving and caring for me um, from a different pastoral perspective. Mm -hmm. Why didn't you give up? I couldn't. I had children. I had to be there for them. I mean, I could have very well jumped on the next Harley and started partying and not be home because, hey, I had teenagers. They could take care of themselves. Because when your husband cheats on you and, and leaves you for a 25-year-old, um, you wonder, what's wrong with me? Yep. Am I good, you know, again, am I good enough? I wasn't good enough for him. Yeah. But I was good enough for God. And he just kept picking me up every day and letting me know, we can do this. Just keep going, one foot in front of the other. And I also didn't want to screw up my kids mm -hmm. any more than I already had, which I didn't really realize I had done. <laughs> sure. But I did not want to do that to them. They were more important to me than me. Yeah. So I wanted to make sure that they had food and they had their mom Although I was not mentally there, I was physically there, sure. but emotionally and mentally I was not because I was so consumed with still, what was he doing? Who is he with? What's going on? I just wanted my family back. I just wanted, I was even willing to take a crappy family over no family. Yeah. So I worked to try to convince him that he, want, he loved me that he wanted our family, that he wanted to be with me. And it didn't work. I bought him books and I, you know, inspiration and talked to this person and counsel and this and that and um, nothing changed, no matter how hard I tried. So I had to kind of give up on that and just realize that I can't change things. And through all this and the it was, it's a lot of pain. Like it's a, it was, it was many years many of years. ups and downs. And it, it was one of those scenarios where, at least as like the kid in the family, where it was like, is this ever gonna end? You know, is know. that pain ever gonna end? Is that frustration ever gonna end? But while that's happening, your relationship with Jesus is getting better and your faith is growing. Mm -hmm. um, why? Well, I didn't understand because my most, mo my prayer was bring my husband home yeah heal my marriage and it didn't and I'm like what is going on why not because he knows more than I do and his ways are better than mine so he knew what was happening he knew what was going to happen he knew what the future held and it wasn't with my husband yeah. I had a hard time accepting that but I had to have faith that it was going to be okay so I just kept going. Yeah, and then he had children with someone else. Yeah. And that broke my heart. It broke my heart. And I realized this is not going to turn out the way I thought in my mind that I wanted it to be. But I'm so thankful because it would have been really terrible. Sure. And I wanted better. Yeah. I wanted peace. I wanted... I wanted that deep breath. I just wanted to feel good. Yeah, and one of the things that you've talked about, one of the things that in your story is this pursuit of being loved and this pursuit of feeling worthy and how there are many seasons of your life where you went searching for that in activities and people or even allowed addictions to numb it and mm -hmm. push it away, or even yeah. in the beginning when you have kids, mm -hmm. it's such a whirlwind, you know, it, it's kind of numbing in that yeah. sense. And so this pursuit of love in your life leads you to a place of a husband who walks out. But one of the things that you shared with me was in that, 
you started to realize where love really came from and what you've been searching for your entire life was always there. Always. And so talk to us about when kind of that epiphany moment um, where you realize, oh man, it's not, I'm seeking out love and, and God, like he's here, he's, mm-hmm. he's doing that. That was the most filling thing I've ever felt. Goosebumps, like you're looking for something that's always been there. And I wish, I wish so much that I had known it so many years before because I probably wouldn't have put myself through so much. I would have had faith that God's got this and it'll turn out the way it's supposed to. Um, I tried to control everything. I tried to make things happen and it didn't. It didn't. It happened total opposite. So I realized that um, I needed to stop controlling things and just be, and God's got my back. Thank goodness, because I can't do this by myself. I can't. I am not strong enough emotionally, physically. I don't know what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. So when I could actually go, you know what? It's going to be okay because he's got me. Because I started seeing things. Things started changing and not like that, you know? Oh, I I don't know how I'm going to pay the mortgage this month. You know, what am I going to do? Hey, can I get a bag of money? No, it didn't turn out that way. It came in jobs. It came in people. People came into my life that blessed us. And it just um, became easier because I'm a worrier. I worry about everything. I'm thinking two months from now, not today. And how how am I going to get through this? How am I going to do this? Now I just, I know because I've seen, he has shown me really on a daily basis, if I pay attention, that he's taking care of my children because when I checked out emotionally, he took care of them for me. Thank you, thank you, Jesus. Because things could have turned out completely different. Jennifer could have very well, because statistically, she could have been pregnant at 16. You wouldn't have gone to college. Sure. Christopher was already in the military. So I really did a lot of praying about that. He was one of the first Marines in um, Iraq. That was scary, so scary, and out of my control. So many things were out of my control. I couldn't, I couldn't make anything happen or not happen. So I relied on God. I was like, dude, you gotta take care of this for me because I can't, I, I, have, I, I don't know how to do this. Yeah. And he did. He brought my son home mm-hmm. after three tours with all his limbs intact. Yeah. He was a, uh, in infantry. So the chances of him not coming home were great. There was an internet as we have now. No news is good news is I totally understand that now. We'd have to wait for a letter and a phone call. And if I didn't get that, oh my gosh. And if I wasn't available for that phone call, it was terrible. It was terrible. So um, yeah, he took care of my babies for me when I wasn't there. So one of the things that um, people don't know about you is, so you still live about 45 minutes to an hour away mm-hmm. from Collective, and you know, fast forwarding a few years after the separation, kids leave, they go to college. I move away, I'm living in Ohio, then Tennessee, we come back to the area, and we go to start a church in Frederick, um, which is close, which was nice for you. Uh-huh. <laughs> you just wanted us to be close there. Right, right, for sure. Um, and I asked you, hey, can you help us? You know, in the very beginning, it was like, can you come and serve in our kids' ministry? And that was five and a half years ago. And you still serve every other week. Why do you do that? Because my son needed me, and he asked me, and I will do anything for my children, anything. And I was so humbled by the fact that a sinner like me was so much garbage and such a mess 
that he would use my child, my child, to reach people and to talk about him. That was like, oh my gosh, that was amazing. So absolutely, man, I'm going to be there yeah. every step of the way. I went through my storage closet and pulled out saucers <laughs> yeah. and walkers and pack and plays and whatever I yeah. needed. And I sat in that hallway yeah. with those kids yeah. for before care. And um, I wouldn't be any other place. That was, that was where I was meant to be. Yeah. And I think the thing that, that hits me the hardest as your son is in this pursuit of unconditional love in this pursuit of like that that fullness eventually you find it in Christ right and then you try to make sure that we receive it so that we don't go searching other places but you show up every you know other week to serve in collective kids because ultimately at the end of the day you want to make sure those kids grow up yes experiencing that that unconditional love that Jesus has for them and you don't want them searching. And for me, it's tough because like now, I mean, you're their grandma, but you're not just a grandma to my kids. You created spaces for them to know from the very beginning, hey, there's this thing that happens in life. There's this guy named Jesus mm -hmm. and he loves you. Yeah. And you as a person uh, are breaking some of those longings and you're breaking some of those change and you're, you're helping kids receive the love that you ultimately just wanted to receive and give to your kids. Absolutely. Uh, but now you do that on, on Sunday mornings with us. Yes, and, and I wouldn't have it any other way because it really fills me up. I spend all week taking care of children you do. Um, for my job. So you would think that would be the last thing I want to do on a Sunday, but I come here because, and I don't even live in this community but I have a community. I have people that lift me up and pray for me. And when they ask me, how are you? They don't just say, hey, how are you doing? They wanna know, how are you? Yeah. And this happened to me a couple weekends ago. And I was like, oh no, you don't wanna <laughs> ask me that. She said, I do. And she held me so tight. And I lost it, but I'll never forget it. And then I went in and took care of my babies. I say hi to everybody, and I can see it in their eyes that they really care for me. And I don't see them any other time, except for Sundays. Yeah, and it's it's great because I couldn't I could not live my life without without that because I would be. So so alone, so empty, because I know that if I need something, they're there, even if they are 50 minutes away. I will sometimes be too lazy to get up when I'm not serving and think, oh man, I gotta drive an hour and I'm gonna yeah. sit for an hour and drive back, so maybe I'll stay in my bed. <laughs> sit for an hour and listen to yes. your son. Yes, yeah, that's good. I'll sit in my bed. <laughs> yeah. Um, and it, it, does, it, it does fill me up, but nothing like when I come and sit in church. And sometimes you're talking right to me, sometimes you're not, but I can always learn. You are my teacher and you're my son. God has given you this great gift and he's given me this great gift that I did not deserve. I did not deserve it. I'm <laughs> but he loves me just the way I am in all my mess and all my ugly and all my terrible, terrible stuff. And I don't want to live without that because I would, I couldn't, yeah. I couldn't. It, it, it would, life would mean nothing to me, honestly, just to get up every morning to do my job. Sure. And now I am alone at home. Alyssa's home from college, but she's very, very busy. And it's hard being alone. And sometimes I'm just really sad. <laughs> but I know that all I have to do is open my Bible, which I'm not great at, but I'm learning. Yeah. And I also learned that I'm actually better at listening. Yeah. So I, you know, because I get tired when I read. <laughs> so, and I need my granny glasses. 
So I've been listening to the Bible, and um, I know I can't be alone without him. There are kids that you are serving, and and we've seen it because Collective is now five. The series comes out when we're five years old. Wow, that's crazy. There are kids that you met over five years ago who were babies. Oh, yeah. Who are now making decisions to follow Jesus. And I do want you to know, and I don't want you to lose sight of this, and I know you're my mom, you're super humble, you're not going to take credit for it. There are kids who will grow up that won't have to deal with the same things you did because of the fact that you you help them and you serve them. And it's true for everybody back in Collective Kids. Uh, But what's going to be really great one day is when these kids turn into teenagers and they don't have to search for that hope and they don't have to search for that love because they've had it. So one of the questions, you know, as we, as we finish up that I ask everybody is if you could give somebody advice, right? They're in the same season. They're in the middle of the storm. Their marriage isn't going the way they expected. Um, their faith, uh, isn't perfect, you know, and, and perfect meaning like it's not always a mountaintop moment. So if there was like one thing that you could say to, um, someone who's going through what you're going through, or at least, um, kind of experiencing some of the highs and lows that you've, you've experienced in your, in your life, what would, you, what would you say to them? What would you want them to hear? Don't give up. Keep moving forward. You'll find that peace in Christ. You can't find it in your job. You can't find it in your children. Yeah. They're, they're going to leave you one day. Mm-hmm. Your husband may leave you. You may be alone. Don't give up because he's got your back. He does. He does. And you will have many little God moments that you may not even realize until after. Yeah. Yeah, you just cannot give up. Keep going, keep moving forward, keep doing it. You'll get through that season, and there'll be another season around the corner. Always. There will be. But you will be stronger for it, and you'll be able to handle it better. And you will take that time to know that, look, I have no control in this situation, but God does. So one of the stories that I've shared at Collective a few times to try and explain that this church really is a church of endless second chances and this church is really a place where um, God can do incredible things is a few months into Collective launching, um, it was actually, I think it was like the first Easter, you're serving in Collective Kids, Dad is also serving in Collective Kids, Jennifer and Alyssa are serving in Collective Kids, and Dad uh, brought Jacob and Michaela, mm-hmm. you know, his two kids from the relationship that came out of the divorce, my half siblings, mm-hmm. and you guys were literally all serving back in the cafeteria together right. that Easter. How does that happen? How do you get to that place? Um, it's not perfect. It's not no. that everything is better, but how no. do you get to a place where on a Sunday morning, all of you and all the feelings and all the pain mm-hmm. and all the tension, all the weirdness of mm-hmm. it? can set that aside to serve kids? God's grace. He gives me the grace to invite them for Christmas. Mm -hmm. Every barbecue, every birthday, they are there because God loves me and I'm his hands and feet and these children deserve love and grace. So that's what I do because it's the right thing to do. It's weird to say this and acknowledge it, but Jacob and Michaela, you genuinely love love these kids. I love them. They are great human beings. And I don't want them to ever feel badly about the circumstances. I don't want them to ever feel uncomfortable. They didn't ask to be here. They didn't ask for these circumstances. And I care greatly about them. I really do we understand and you understand like yes. hey people need love yeah and the best place to get it is through jesus yes. and one of the best things that we can do is is show that love yes and even in circumstances that we didn't plan for or pray for or right. expect or, yeah or what or a great for. thing to show them yeah that we love them no matter what yeah. because god loves them no matter what yeah yeah and in turn you know, they're my siblings and mm-hmm. I love them, but they love my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's weirdly, and it seems weird to say this, it is weirdly healthy 
through everything we've been through and everything, you know, if you if you wrote our family stuff down on paper mm-hmm. oh my and diagrammed it, you'd be like, this is insane. But what's weird is it it's still better now than it ever was. Oh, yeah. Because of Jesus. Right. That we are broken, we are messy, but we have God's grace and God's love. Yeah. And we can do this. And, and, and it's not about us. Yeah. It's not about me. It's about my family. And if I can show them the love of Christ by inviting them to dinner and celebrating their birthday and throwing a graduation party for Michaela to let her know that we love her because God loves us. The love that he fills our heart with and the grace that he shows us, yeah, we, we have to show that to other people and share that with the people we love and care for because he does it for us every day. How could I not? So the last question I ask everybody is if there was a Bible verse that got you through the storms, which ultimately life has been that storm, um, or if there's a Bible verse right now that you, you hold on to, what is it? I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because honestly I need that every single day yeah that's Philippians 4.13 which interesting enough is is one of the first Bible verses that I ever learned and remembered Uh, it also became my first tattoo that is crazy uh, which it's a terrible tattoo but the message the message is really good yeah it was my first one when I was like 18 and we went to Manassas and some dude like hand drew it on me it's awful, but, you know, it was the same thing in that season of life. It was wow. a reminder of, hey, like, I don't, you know, especially as a, as a young person, you're like, I don't have control at all. Right. You know you right. don't. Right, But also God can get me through this. Mm. That is awesome. I can do it all with him. I can't do any of it without him. I just can't. Yeah, that's great. Thank you, Mom. You're welcome. 